You know, we hear all the time Jesus is the answer, and that's true, but he did ask a lot of questions. And we've been kind of, the past couple weeks, we've been digging into what exactly those questions are and why did he ask them? We know Jesus and God to be all-knowing, right? Like, they have, he has all the answers for everything, and he knows everything that's going to happen. So if he knows everything that's going to happen, then why did he ask a bunch of questions if he already knew the answers to those questions? And that's what the whole purpose of this series is, is to talk about why he asked those questions and what kind of deeper meanings that they have for us. In week one, we talked about... Um, a question that Jesus asked was, does this offend you? You know, and we talked about what is God asking you to do that's offensive to you? Um, you say, no, God, how could you ask me to do something like that? Or no, God, you know, why are you asking me to do this when you know I'm not comfortable doing that? And instead of spending our time trying to get comfortable and do those things and push us to where God wants us to be, we just are too busy saying, no, we're good. We don't want any part of that. And because of that, a lot of times we miss out on some really awesome stuff that God has for us. And then last week we talked about, um, do you want to get well? That's the question Jesus asked, which in context of the story is a really weird question. Uh, he asked it to a guy who had been sick for 38 years. He couldn't walk. He was crippled. And then Jesus goes up to him and asks him, hey man, do you want to get well? Yeah, of course I want to get well, right? Of course I want to be made better. Of course I want to walk again. But we talked about, you know, we can say we want to get well all we want, but are we actually putting in the work to get better? Because Jesus can only, and God can only do so much for us, but at some point we have to kind of take the reins ourselves and prove, hey, yes, I'm taking the steps that I need to take to get better. He's not going to do it for us. He'll give us all the tools we need to get us there, but we have to take up our mat and walk. Just like we talked about that guy last week, um, Jesus healed him, and then he had to do the rest of the work by taking up his mat, standing up, and walking away. And I think a lot of times we're praying, God, I just, I need you to take me out of this situation, or God, please heal me from this situation. And he's like, dude, I've already done that. You just got to stand up and walk. Because we're too busy worrying about ourselves and worrying about, you know, what God, what we want God to do for us, that we don't really understand that he's already done everything that he can do. The rest is up to us. And then today, this week, um, I kind of cheated a little bit because Jesus actually asked two questions in this conversation. Um, and I kind of like it as well because it's also his disciples asking him a pretty crazy question too. Uh, so I kind of cheated in the third last week. I figured I might as well, you know, go out with a bang. Why not? Um, but before we get there, I want to tell you a story. Um, I want to tell you a story of something unexpected that happened in my life a long time ago. Um, because that's kind of the theme for, for today is expecting the unexpected, right? Pastor Frank just said, hey, why don't you expect today? And I want you today not to just expect something, but expect the unexpected in your life. Uh, just to give you an idea of, of what my friends were like growing up in, in middle and high school, um, I had some pretty interesting friends. And one of the things that they liked to do um, was, um, was, was pick on me a little bit. And, um, and nothing bad, but let me tell you the story. So if you guys are familiar with Craigslist, um, Craigslist has kind of gone like by the wayside now with like Facebook Marketplace and all that kind of stuff. But Craigslist, Craigslist used to be kind of like a Facebook Marketplace where you would like buy and sell and trade stuff. And, you know, my parents are always like, don't ever buy anything off there because you go to meet them. You think you're buying something and then they like take out a knife and like shank you or something or always go in pairs and meet people. Right. Um, so Craigslist used to be one of those things where you would buy and sell stuff. 
just like kind of Facebook Marketplace. However, there is an interesting tab, I guess, or an interesting section of Craigslist that Facebook Marketplace doesn't have, and that is missed connections, okay? If you are not familiar with this tab at all on Craigslist, missed connections is basically a page under Craigslist where people would go and post something about like, let's say you were at a store and you saw somebody that you really liked that you wanted to connect with and they might have saw you but you were too scared to talk to them, right? So you would post on there, hey, uh, my name is this and I saw you here, here, here and our eyes made contact but I was too scared to talk to you. If you, you know, saw me and you find me interesting, you can like call me and here's my number, okay? That's what this misconnections was. So my friends thought it would be a funny idea to start posting in there and making up random stories. So he would say something like, hi, uh, I was in the dairy aisle of Ingalls buying milk, and now you came up behind me, and I saw you, and I was too scared to talk to you because I just thought you were so beautiful. All well and good. But then at the bottom, he goes, my name is Jackson. Here's my number. And I can tell you the ridiculous amount of awkward conversations I had with men and women, um, about these misconnections, okay? Um, I got some very unexpected calls at some very unexpected times, um, and that's just the way that they worked, but, you know, expecting the unexpected and unexpected things happen are things that happen to us all the time, right? It can be something funny like that, or it can be, you know, something not as good. Um, let me share you another story with you that is very relevant. It just happened like three days ago, actually. So for those of you who were not aware, we had a sports camp this week at Lake Point, which was awesome, by the way. Uh, we did three days of sports camps at Lake Point. Um, it was really cool. It was really awesome. We had a bunch of kids and um, just being able to get out there and, and play sports with them and share the gospel. It was a good time. So I was driving there. I think it was Wednesday. I was driving from the church office on Wednesday. And um, as I was driving, I was coming through Lake Point and I was turning right on whatever that road is right by Chick-fil-A, it's going to Lake Point, right? And as I was driving, uh, I got a phone call from Austin, and he goes, he just asked a question. He was like, hey, man, is this going to be there, or, you know, do I need to bring something? I was like, no, 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 that's cool. Um, you know, we've got that, because he wasn't there the day before. As I'm driving, to turn left into the baseball parking lot, which is where these... Um, which is where these fields were, you have to pay because they're, you know, getting admission for, for the baseball games. We don't have to pay because we were doing a sports camp, but there was a line because people were backed up trying to pay. I was like, well, I'm not trying to wait in this line because I don't have to pay, so I keep driving and try to go to the second entrance. If you, if you keep going, instead of turning left, if you keep going and turn left, there's another entrance, but a lot of times they have that gate closed. But I just wanted to see if it was closed so I didn't have to wait in line. So I drive, and, and unfortunately the gate was closed, so I'm you know, make a little illegal turn right there in the middle of the road um, because the gate was closed. So then I turn around. I'm like, all right, I'll go in. All of a sudden, I look in my rearview mirror, and I see flashing blue lights behind me. I'm like, that can't be me, right? It's never you. It's never you. Of course not, right? It's never you. Um, so I keep driving. I'm like, nah, surely it's not me. I was like, I'll just, you know, do my thing. So I turn into the parking lot, and I, you know, try to go to my parking space. All of a sudden, I look, this dude's still behind me. I'm like, what in the world is happening? So I pull in my parking spot, and then, of course, you know, I'm at the sports camp where all these other church volunteers are, and they're, like, staring at me. He's like, is that Jackson? What, what did he do? I've got to watch this, right? Um, so I, I, I'm in this church parking lot, and this, and, or the, the Lake Point parking lot, and this dude is behind me. 
And he comes up and he asks the question that every single policeman has ever asked me. I have a lot of experience with being pulled over and every single one has asked me this question. Do you know why I pulled you over? And I hate playing 20 questions with these police officers, right? I cannot stand it because I'm, I'm scared. I'm afraid I'm gonna actually incriminate myself for something that I didn't actually do. And that's what happened in this instance, right? Because he asked me, he said, hey man, do you know why I pulled you over? And I was like, was it the illegal U-turn I pulled in that little parking lot? And he goes, no. I was like, oh, well, I didn't do that then. I just, you know, I was throwing that out there. You just told me to guess, so I did. Um, he goes, no, uh, you, you were on your phone. I was like, oh, is that what we're doing? Are, are we still enforcing this law? I, I didn't think that was a thing anymore. Um, and he goes, and here, here we go. We play 20 questions again. He goes, so who was on the phone that was so important you had to answer it while you were driving? I'm like, first of all, dude, like you don't need to know my personal life. But if you must know, and I pulled the Pastor Frank Bennett card, I was like, man, I, I work at the church. I work at Lake Point Church. We're here for a sports camp, you know, and I just, I was calling. Somebody was asking, you know, a question about the sports camp. I'm just, I'm just trying to serve the Lord. You know what I'm saying, man? Like, I don't, and he goes, all right, well, I'll be quick about it then. I was like, dang it. I guess only Pastor Frank can get away with that one. So he brings me my ticket back, and then, you know, he tries to act all interested. He's like, well, what sports are you doing today? I'm like, dude, just give me my ticket and leave. Like, come on. If you're going to give me a ticket, I don't care that you're interested in what we're doing, but if you must know, we're doing flag football, and you should come. Um, and that is just, it's just something that I didn't expect, right? Um, it's something that I never expected would happen. It's something that, you know, I'm on the phone all the time. I know the law, um, and I'm on the phone all the time. Nobody ever pulls me over for it, but, you know, I guess eventually I got busted. And I told Austin he owed me $50 for the ticket, and he said, oh, it's not my fault. You don't have a Bluetooth device. I'm like, okay, Austin, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, but things happen in life that are unexpected. And it can be good, and it, and it can be bad, too. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus, we, we expect or we get some unexpected things that a lot of times we, we don't really expect, right? I think a lot of times when we sign up to be a Jesus follower, sign up to be a Christian, we have this idea of what our life looks like. We have this idea of what our life with God looks like. And then when it deviates from that a little bit, we're like, oh, wait a minute. Is this really what I signed up for? Right? It starts to look a little different than we might have pictured in our head. And I think the reason that that happens and the reason why we do that is because kind of as a society as a whole, we sort of built this idea of what Christianity looks like based on something that isn't real. We've kind of built this fake idea of Jesus and God and Christianity and what the Bible is really like, when in reality, that's not the case. A sermon series I did a couple weeks ago, um, you know, unfiltered, was trying to take that filter off of Christianity and see what Christianity really is from a biblical standpoint. And I think a lot of times we are surprised by what the Bible does and actually doesn't say right? Like the Bible never says that we're going to be happy all the time and it's going to be sunshine and rainbows and unicorns all the time, right? Like the Bible doesn't say that. We looked at a passage yesterday, or last week that said, um, that God said, hey man, you're going to struggle. You will have issues, right? But we, we are too busy building this faith on something that isn't real. We're too busy holding on to this idea of what our life should look like with Jesus. And then when it doesn't, we get a little confused and frustrated. 
When it doesn't look like that, we turn to God and we say, God, what's going on? You know, why, why are you doing this to me? This isn't what I thought I was signing up for. The unexpected comes. We've all been there. Whether it is an unexpected medical report that you got, whether it was the unexpected loss of a job, um, a kid getting sick, uh, a family member leaving the planet before you really expected them to. There's always something unexpected that comes in our life. And unfortunately, when that happens, the first thing we do is we subscribe to what I like to call the do better and try harder attitude, which basically, to sum it up, is like, oh, man, something really bad is happening to me. God must be mad at me. Or, you know, to let, to, God must be punishing me for something that I'm not doing. You know what? Uh, I missed my quiet time last week. That's got to be what it is. He's mad at me, so he's punishing me. So I'm going to have my quiet time twice a week or twice a day this week to make up for last time, right? I'm going to do better and I'm going to try harder to please God. Or we get this idea of I'm not praying enough and, and that's why God's got me in this situation. Or, you know, I'm, I'm not serving enough. Um, I, I, I'm going to serve. I'm going to sign up for two Sundays a month instead of just one. And I'm not even going to just sign up to agree. I'm going to, like, sign up to be in those kids, right? And I don't even like kids. And I'm going to sign up to be in kids because God will honor that. And God will be happy that I'm doing that, right? Or maybe you're not, um, maybe you're just not in your Bible enough or praying or spending time with him. Maybe you're not, you know, coming to church enough. And we subscribe to that idea of, hey, do better, try harder, God will love me more. Maybe you're not doing some of those things. Maybe you're not tithing or giving enough. And, and you're not, there's three ways you can give, lakepointonline.com. I'm just kidding. Um, this is not one of those kind of sermons. But we subscribe to this idea of why doesn't God love me? Why doesn't God want the best for my life? What am I doing to prevent, or we put up that wall. God is over there. I'm here. How do I get rid of that? And it's almost, as funny as it sounds, we almost treat God as like this unstable, emotionally unstable individual who relies on us to do our part, to do what we're supposed to do so he doesn't fly off the handle and get angry. We treat the creator of the universe like he can't control his temper and like he can't control his emotions and that he relies on us to be like rank and file, like one by one by one, doing exactly what we're supposed to do to make sure he doesn't get upset. And it's crazy, but we live our life like that, right? Because that's the first thing, like that is the first thing when I have an issue that comes up in my life, the first thing I do is say, all right, God, what have I done wrong this week? Or, all right, God, you're doing this to me, or I'm in this situation because I haven't had my quiet time this week. I haven't been praying enough this week. I haven't read my Bible this week, and I know that. So I'm going to, you know, make sure I do that. But that's not what it's about. We subscribe to this idea of, hey, if I do what I'm supposed to do, God's going to do what he's supposed to do, and then everything is going to be happy, 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 right? That's what we think. But in reality, the Bible never says that. The Bible never says we're going to be happy, happy, happy. Pretty sure that was Duck Dynasty, I think. You may got confused. They all had beards like Jesus. I don't know. Um, but it, the Bible never says that, all right? So what I want to do today is I want to look at a conversation that Jesus and his disciples had. 
And it's the same conversation that we have with God on a daily basis. And I think it's interesting for us to look at it because even Jesus' disciples, the people that were the absolute closest to him in life, were asking the same questions that we ask on a daily basis. And I think it's interesting. So we're actually going to be in um, Mark 4, uh, verses 35 through 40. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. Um, And while we do that, um, again, the, the theme for today is unexpected, right? The unexpected. Jesus lives for the unexpected. If you've ever read any of the Bible at all, you'll understand Jesus does some pretty weird things, right? Which is why we're kind of going through these, these interesting questions that Jesus asked. I learned from a very young age that you can't put God in a box. You can't put Jesus in a box because he's going to do something totally unexpected and totally just absolutely blow your mind that you would never think he would do. And I think a lot of times we get confused when he doesn't do what we think he's going to do and he does something unexpected and we can't handle it. When he puts us in these situations that we're not expecting, what is our first thing we do? We blame ourselves first. We say, oh, it's our fault. And then we start blaming God. We say, no, God, I've been doing my quiet time for the past three weeks. I haven't missed a day. I've been praying. This is your fault. We blame God. And we ask the question, and I want you to listen. We ask the question that everybody asks, that everybody has asked in this room before. We ask God, God, do you even care? Do you even care about my problem? Do you even care about my issue? Do you even love me like you say you do? Because I feel like if you did, I wouldn't be where I am. His disciples asked the same question. Um, So let's go ahead and uh, go to verse 35. Uh, We'll read just a couple of verses. In Mark 4, 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. They were also other boats with him. So just a little bit of background of the story here. If you read the rest of Mark 4, he's actually on a boat in the middle of a lake, like teaching to a bunch of other people. All right. Um, so all of these other people have been listening to, to parables, and there's like hundreds of people gathered around listening to Jesus talk. And he's been teaching all day. All right. He's been working all day, preaching. And then when the end of the day comes, Jesus says, oh, my gosh, y'all, I'm tired. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done teaching for today. Let's take this boat, and, and let's just go to the other side. I, I need a break. Right. Um, have you ever been there, right? You've been so tired that you've just been like, I- I'm done with today. Uh, you come home after a long day at work and you sit on your couch and you're like, I don't even want like my wife or kids to talk to me because I'm so done, right? I-, I just am done with people for the day. I'm done with talking to anybody for the day. I just want to sit here in my own silence, right? My silence is comforting to me because that's how terrible of a day I've had. I mean, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I'm a loner, so that could be just me. But that's Jesus, all right? He said, I am so done, Actually reminds me of a funny story. Um, one, one of my kids, my sixth graders this year, her favorite thing is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Um, and it's probably only funny from her saying it, but she used to say, her catchphrase to me was, I'm so done with you. That's what she would tell me on a daily basis. I'd be trying to like teach her how to do something and she didn't get it. And instead of like trying to do it, she would just like look at me and she goes, I'm so done with you. And then she just like, you know, like pretend she didn't care anymore. Um, and I just thought that was hilarious. And then she got mad that I thought it was funny that she was like hollering at me. But um, she, she was so done. That's Jesus. Jesus is so done at this point. He's like, look, I just, I just, I just want to take a nap. Um, I just, I just want to go on this boat and I just want to be done with people. There's a problem though. Verse 37 A furious squall came up, basically a storm, um, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. 
So the disciples and Jesus are in a bad situation. They're in the boat, the middle of the sea, um, and it's the Sea of Galilee, which is basically a sea surrounded by like a, like a bunch of mountains, so the elevation change is really different. Um, so they get massive, um, like kind of hurricane storms, almost kind of things on this all the time. Um, and one of those came up. So they're in a bad situation. Jesus and his disciples are in this boat, and the boat is getting swamped. So the, these waves are coming over the boat. It's like um, Storm Chasers, like first century edition, like AD 33, year 33, right? You ever seen those people on Weather Channel that like go chase after the tornadoes and stuff like that? It just absolutely baffles me that you would want to like go chase after a tornado. But that's basically what was happening here. The disciples and Jesus were in this boat, and it probably wasn't like, you know, like a little rowing boat, but that's kind of what I picture. I'm sure it wasn't that small because they fit a lot of people on it. Um, but they were in this boat going to the other side. They are in an issue. They're in a bad situation. Let's go to verse 38. Let's see what Jesus is doing. So while there's this massive storm coming and the disciples are freaked out, what does it say? Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Jesus was asleep. There was this massive storm flooding the boat, and his disciples would say, uh, where's this guy who's supposed to be protecting us? Oh, oh yeah, he's asleep. So the disciples go to him, wake him up, and they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? I know we're talking about interesting questions of Jesus. How about this as being an interesting question from the disciples? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? These are disciples, people who have been with Jesus for a long time, people who know Jesus better than everybody else, people who know Jesus to be who he says he is, and they say, hey, buddy, like, you going to do something about that? Don't you care if we die? Like, what's going on? You're sleeping. Can you imagine how, first, let's just kind of imagine how bad this storm had to have been for the disciples to be freaked out. Remember, before they were disciples, they were like trained professional fishermen. They were on the sea all the time. They were used to it. For a storm this bad to freak the disciples out that much, it had to be a pretty fierce and intense storm for the disciples to be scared. Trained fishermen were scared of this storm. That's how bad it was. Because typically, if it was just a normal storm, they were trained to figure that out. They were trained to fix it, right? That's, that's their job. But the storm was so bad they go up to Jesus and ask him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? How often is that our first response to anything that we're struggling with in life? The first sign of bad news, the first sign of unexpected in our lives, we pray to God, God, don't you care? We get an unexpected medical bill that we can't pay and we're like, God, you know I can't afford this. Don't you care? God, you know I can't afford to tithe. Don't, I, don't you care? God, you know that I can't be out of work. Why did you let me get sick? Don't you care about me? God, I've been sick for three weeks, four weeks. I'm not getting any better. Don't you care? That's an interesting question by the disciples that they would ask Jesus if he actually cares about them. But aren't we doing the same things on a daily basis? I know I do. That's my first response, is I pray and say, God, what's up, dude? Let's look at Jesus's response, because I think this is, this is something that is extremely unexpected, that not even the disciples expected to happen. The disciples asked him, said, hey, man, 
wake up, figure it out, help us. And I think even Jesus kind of surpassed the disciples' expectations. Let's look in verse 39. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. A storm so bad that had trained and professional fishermen scared, Jesus gets up, he goes out, you know, I, I kind of imagine like the, the Titanic scene, right? Like Jesus walks like the edge of the boat, right? And he says, quiet, be still. And then everything stops. Not even, I, I, would, I would venture to get, not even the disciples expected Jesus to have that much power. That he could stop the wind and waves. We have more technology. This was 2,000 years ago. We have more technology nowadays than we've ever had or really probably ever needed, to be quite frank. Um, And we can't even stop a hurricane. All we can do is just watch it destroy cities. But yet here's Jesus 2,000 years ago talking to it like it's a child. Talking to it like I talk to my dog. Hey, sit down and shut up which I have about a 10% success rate with my dog on that one. So Jesus has a little, bit of, a little better track record than me. But Jesus says, sit down and shut up. You, you know that you obey me. Blown away. The disciples were absolutely blown away. Jesus does something unexpected. He stops everything. And then he goes on to double down on that unexpectedness And look at verse 40. Look at the question he asks. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you have no faith? Or some translations say, where is your faith? I love that first question. Why are you so afraid? Um, Excuse me, Jesus, I'll tell you why we're afraid. There's a massive storm outside. We're about to drown, and here you are sleeping. You're supposed to be the one protecting us. You're supposed to be the one taking care of us, yet here you are, basically seeming like you don't care what's going on, that's why I'm afraid. You're sleeping. Well, here we are trying to fight this storm. And then Jesus says, where is your faith? That's tough, right? That's a tough question from Jesus. Because if we're being honest, anytime we get in a storm that it seems like God doesn't care, he's asking us that question. Jackson, where's your faith? Why are you sitting here blaming me as your first response? Where's your faith at? Have you forgotten all of the other stuff that I've done for you? And yet when the tiniest little inconvenience or storm happens, your automatic default answer is, God, where'd you go? Have you just forgotten everything that I've done? What I love about this too is if um, we can go back to, I think it's verse 38 maybe. Nope. Uh, yeah, 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 stay right there. The disciples woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Isn't it funny that we still do the same thing the disciples did 2,000 years ago? The disciples woke him up. They basically let Jesus know the problem that was happening as if he didn't already know. How often do we do that? How often do we feel like we have to educate God on what our problems are? How often do we ever feel like, hey, God, um, you know, I'm going through this. I don't, I don't, you know, I know you've got like a million other people you got to deal with, but I don't know if you know about my issue here. Can, can you like focus your attention to this? Because I'm, I'm kind of drowning over here. 
How often do we feel like we have to educate God on our medical issue, on our finance issue, on our job issue, on our relationship issue? The smallest things we feel like we have to let God know, hey, man, I'm having an issue. Come help me. God already knows it. God already knows everything. And I think the reason why he acts so unexpectedly in the things that he does is because he wants to see how much faith we have in him. Because he wants to see how we'll react when he doesn't do what we expect him to do and he does something a little different. He wants to see if we actually have faith and trust in him or if we're just going to freak out because we're trying to do it the way we want it done. That's what happened throughout this whole story. This whole scene here between Jesus and the disciples, he's acting totally different than what the disciples expected because here's what the disciples did. They were confused by Jesus rebuking them and yelling at them and saying, where's your faith at? Because they did the one thing that they thought they were supposed to do. What are we trained to do whenever we have an issue or whenever we're in a storm? We're trained, hey, call on God, right? He'll come help us. He'll come rescue us from our situation. That's what the disciples did. They went to Jesus and they said, hey, we're in a storm. We're in an issue. I'm coming to you. You're supposed to rescue us from this now. That's how this works. That's how they thought it was supposed to work. The problem is, Jesus doesn't act on our timeline. God doesn't act on our timeline. He acts when he's ready to act, and he acts how he wants to act. And he does that to see if we'll trust him enough, if we'll follow him to where he's going. Jesus knew the storm was coming. When he told the disciples, hey, go ahead and you know, push the boat out. Let's go to the other side. He knows everything. He knew the storm was coming. It's not new to him. But the disciples panicked. They freaked out and said, teacher, help me. When things don't go our way, we do the exact same thing. The exact same thing. How much faith do we really have in God? It's a tough question. Some of you may be going through the middle of some of the, the worst storm you've ever been in, right? You're, you're drowning. And your first response is, God, um, hey, do, do you see me over here? Like, I'm like neck deep in water. He wants to see how much faith we have in him. Because trusting in God is not just knowing that he's going to have what's best for us and rescue us in our situation, but it's knowing that he loves us regardless of whether he rescues us when we need to be rescued or not. Because he will make sure that everything works out for the best. It just may not be the way we want it to. He will make sure that at the end of the day, everything works out for us, but it might just be a little harder than we want, to, want it to or expect it to be. And when that happens, do we lose our faith? Do we just forget all of the good stuff God's promised us? I want to go back to that question of where is your faith? Because I think it's really relevant to today as well. Asking us, where's your faith at? God's asking me, Jackson, where is your faith? Or better yet, let's, let's say this. Who or what is your faith in? I think a lot of people, their faith is in themselves. Their faith is in other people or other things, right? Right? Like a lot of people, 
especially today, right, with like the internet and um, like YouTube and all these sorts of things, we have all these different stories of like self-made success stories, right? Like people saying, I did it myself. I, you know, to quit my job and now I'm on Facebook and I'm on, you know, YouTube and I'm like 12 years old making slime and making like $5 million a year because, you know, I did it myself because I'm a self-made success story at age 11, right? Or you have people who are like starting their, like starting their own businesses and they're just like saying how much money they've made and they say, look, you can do it too. We have these self-made success stories that a lot of people put all of their faith in themselves, It's not a bad thing. You have to believe in yourself at some point, right? But at the end of the day, we've got to know that we can't do it all on our own. See, the disciples knew their limits, right? The disciples were fishermen. They knew what to do to to fix a boat while they were in the middle of a storm, I am, and the Bible doesn't say this. I'm just, this is kind of guessing here. But I would assume before they went and woke Jesus up, they trusted in their own ability to try to stop the boat from sinking in the middle of the storm, right? They're fishermen. That's what they do. But they knew whenever their ability took them as far as it could go, they said, I'm gonna need some of that Jesus power, right? I, I've gotten as far as myself can take me. I'm gonna need some Jesus And that's when they went and woke him up because they freaked out that they couldn't do it themselves. They panicked when what they were doing wasn't working and they said, oh, here's where we need Jesus. I can't do it anymore, so now that's when I'm gonna really need Jesus. Or too often we put our faith in others, right? we put our faith in, in family members. We put our faith in our heroes, right, our idols. Um, we put our faith in um, politicians. We put our faith in all of these people who really have almost no bearing on, on what we do. Don't get me wrong. I rely on my wife for a lot, um, more than I care to admit, actually, because, you know, um, she basically holds my life together because I'm too unorganized to do it myself. I rely on her for a lot. But at the end of the day... I know that she can't solve all my problems. She's going to try because that's the kind of person she is. But she can't solve all my problems. Your support group that you're going to, they'll help. But they can't solve all your problems. Your doctor that you're going to see, they'll help and do the best they can. But at the end of the day, whenever they've done all they can, it's Jesus that will finish the job. It's Jesus that'll do the rest. A lot of times we put our faith in other things, right? Put our faith in money. God, if I just if I just had money, I wouldn't have any of these issues. If I just had money, I would never be depressed. That's a lie. I, I mean, you know, look at all of these famous people, famous celebrities, famous athletes who who are committing suicide on a daily basis because they're, they're sad, they're searching for something, and they have all the money in the world, but it, they need something else. A lot of people put their faith in substances, right? Um, whether it's drugs or alcohol, you put your faith in that. Say, ah, if I should, you know, that'll cover it. That'll cover my issues. I'm not having a good day today. I'll go home, and then I'll, I'll drink a little bit, and then that'll, that'll cover up my issue. You put your faith in that. You rely on that. And you know what? 
for being real, it might make you feel better. But it's not going to sustain you. All of these things, yourself, other people, other things, they're good for a while. And they'll get you far. But they're not going to give you the ultimate goal that, that Jesus will. They're not going to get you to heaven. They're not going to get you that eternal life. They're not going to get you that thing, that, that, that sort of realization in that final chapter where you say, you know what, God, here I am. You know, take me. They won't get you there. Only God will. But you've got to have the faith to let him do his thing. You've got to have the trust and belief that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And as we close here, I want you to kind of think about that for the next couple minutes. Where is your faith right now? Is it in God? Whatever storm you're going through, and I'm, we, it's all different for everybody, you know, whether it's a relationship issue, whether it's a finance issue, whether it's a medical or sick issue, whether it's any, any issue under the sun that you could think of, whatever storm you're going through that's bad, right, that's awful enough that you're saying, God, I'm drowning. Whatever storm that is, where's your faith at right now? Who's it in? Is it in you? Because I, I, here's how you know if it's in you. If you spend every day waking up thinking of how you can get yourself out of it or what you can do differently to get yourself out of this storm or what you can do maybe in the future to prevent that from happening, if that's what your thoughts are on a daily basis, you're relying on yourself. Or if you're busy blaming your spouse for what's going on, you have your faith in them because they're not holding up to their end of the bargain, right? Like if all of a sudden my wife decided that she wasn't going to keep the finances anymore, for one, I'd be in trouble and probably evicted from my house. But two, I would blame her, right? But at the end of the day, that's not just supposed to be her job. She does it because she knows that I'm incapable. But my faith is in her in that. And that's okay. But when that happens, where's your faith at? If you're constantly questioning God to say, hey, where, where, where are you, God? And maybe you don't have as much faith as you thought you did. And you know what? The disciples had the same issue. And they were with Jesus every single day, 24-7. And they still asked that question, God, where are you? The reason why I wanted to focus on this question today was because it's so relevant to what we're going through. So relevant to what I'm going through. God, where are you? In the midst of everything, you know we're struggling. You know I'm struggling in this area. You know that I'm having problems here. Why are you not helping me? And my first response is to blame him. Your first response might be to blame him. But you know what? He's saying, blame me all you want to. I act in my time, not yours. But do you have the faith to continue pursuing me even when things look rough? even when things look bad. So I'm going to pray here in a minute, and I want you to think about that. Where's your faith? And whatever storm you're going through, where is it? And I want you, if it's in the wrong place, and 
It's in the wrong place if your faith isn't in God. <laughs> if it is in the wrong place, pray to kind of figure out how, how you can get it focused back to him, right? Whether it's praying more, whether it's, you know, getting involved with, with somebody. Maybe it's talking to somebody about it. Maybe you don't really necessarily know how to get God to, to, to help you with your problem. If that's the case, talk to somebody. Like, right? Like, do whatever it takes to put your faith in God. 